Hello, you're listening to Bricks and Mortar from EG with Sarah Jackman. My guest today is Marion Ellis of Love Surveying, a company that offers coaching and bespoke business support to those setting up and running their own surveying business. Marion established Love Surveying following 20 years in the residential property sector and today offers a range of support services, including mentoring and the Surveyor Hub podcast. Marion, thank you very much indeed for joining me today. Always good to welcome a fellow podcaster. So tell me a little bit first about your surveying podcast. I have to say it's really strange being on the other side. (laughs) We'll see how this goes. My podcast started actually just before lockdown. And the idea was it would be a technical podcast talking about matters of the day because surveyors were the residential surveyors that I, I typically know and work with would be out in their cars every day driving around and they needed some more CPD to listen to. And then obviously the, the pandemic hit and things changed and it became very much a, a conversation piece of just feeling part of a conversation. It certainly got me through the pandemic with having young children and, you know, navigating the job I, I had at the time. It was the, the thing that I did. And I made some of my very early guests do recordings at six o'clock in the morning because I had the children during the day. So I was quite harsh. But uh, it's something that has evolved. It's not perfect, but it's just conversations with people who love surveying, hearing about career journeys and the things that interest them. It's not trying to teach anybody anything. It's just about conversation. And it's one of the best things I think I've ever done in my career. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Well, delighted to be able to give that some profile this morning. And we're going to talk a little bit today about your own journey into the industry. And in particular, we're going to talk a little bit about your experiences of neurodiversity, which is an area that I know you're passionate about. And you've very kindly written a column for us, uh, which is going to feature in our new Starting Out in Real Estate Supplements, which is publishing in early September. So for anyone interested in that, it will be available in a few weeks' time. But in the meantime, Marion, perhaps you can tell me a little bit about your own journey into the industry. I'd always enjoyed geography, the built environment. I grew up on a council estate in North Wales, and so I was very interested in in what was around me, I suppose, from from an early age. My mum bought her council house through the old right to buy, from which we discovered there were lots of problems because we were told we didn't need a survey because it was a terrace. (laughs) It was in the middle. So you can imagine how, um, how that went years later. And I suppose when you're you're younger, you don't know the things that that influence you. And it wasn't until later, you know, I, I, I did my A-levels. I took some time out because of some, some ill health and I went and did a degree in estate management. So I just tried to concentrate on the things that I was interested in rather than what I thought I could be. And I think that's one of the things I would say to anybody deciding on a career is, you know, when I started out, hey, we didn't even have mobile phones. So we don't know what the world will be in the future. And obviously now we've got things like AI and different types of of technology. So so sticking to the things that you you enjoy or care about is a good place to start. I worked for a developer. I was on a graduate scheme for a new homes developer. And I left there because I just needed three months valuation experience so I could then pursue my RICS APC so I could get qualified as a surveyor. 
And I ended up staying at that company for about 15 years. So you never quite know where where work is going to take you. You know, I just felt as though I needed to do the next thing. But always intent, I think, right from the the start, because my degree happened to be RICS accredited or ISVA, as was back then. It was that long ago that it was something that was worth pursuing. And I recognised the importance of having a professional career and, and good qualifications, even if I didn't quite know how that would pan out. So did I always want to be a surveyor? Not really. I don't think I really understood what that would be. Did I want to work in the built environment in some way, shape or form? Yes, I did. And this is where it's led me today. So so five years ago, I left my corporate company, worked for a small training firm for a couple of years through the pandemic. And now I coach and, and support surveyors in, in all sorts of, of different ways. So everything that I've learned has brought me through to today. Tell me then a little bit about how the industry's evolved in the time that you've been working in it. In so many different ways. I guess from a a diversity point of view, there's a few more women than there used to be. We're actually talking about neurodiversity. And I think the fact that you're doing this supplement is groundbreaking, you know, because there wasn't anything back then when I I was in school or I was doing my A-levels or or my degree. So the fact that we're talking openly about these things, but also the benefits of it is really important. And I think the thing that I've, I've learned is that cognitive diversity, not just gender and all the typical things we talk about, but cognitive diversity is so important when it comes to understanding the way that we live and the problems that we need to solve. And that's everything from having the oldest people in the room who can't work computers to those that the youngsters who can but might not have the the industry professional experience we all bring something to it and if we have that full range of thinking and it's hard to get those people in the room let's let's face it that would be one big room but there are ways that you can make sure that we have those discussions that we debate all options And that's where we find the best solutions going forward. And if we think about the things that we need to tackle going forward about climate and sustainability, about the way that we live in properties, which is quite a hot topic with things like Grenfell and the problems with mould inhalation and, and things like that. We need that cognitive diversity, not just the most cleverest people in the room. We need to have people who can challenge and say, well, why have you done it that way for 20 years? Have you heard of this new bit of research or just simply that sounds like a really stupid thing to do? Can you explain it? You know, and not to be fearful of having those those conversations. So the conversation then has has opened up an awful lot more. One of the things that I was interested in in your column, you talk about your ADHD superpower. And so I'm interested about your own experiences of it and how your career has benefited So I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD until I was 47, 48. I have to keep on (laughs) track where the birthdays are. And I probably (laughs) knew for a a couple of years before that I had some neuro challenge in some way, shape or form. Earlier on, though, in my career, didn't know anything about it, wouldn't have said it was a problem. But I worked darn hard at everything. And I would, you know, get sort of what I now know, quite hyper-focused on things. I became really, really good at dealing with complaints and claims and solving problems and saving the day. And that fight for justice is a bit of an ADHD trait, it turns out. And I'm still learning about it. The language that people use can be quite 
complex over what you do and don't say. Some people don't even like the word superpower. So it's really hard to to navigate. But I, I guess you've got to come back to knowing yourself as well as you can. And and for me, that's where my journey started, I think. So I had um, some difficulties with return from maternity leave for my, my two children. I got coaching and support and started that personal development journey. And from there, I started to know myself better. And the more you know yourself better, the more you know not just your limitations, but where you excel and what gives you joy. And ADHD is very much about enjoying what you do. My business is called Love Surveying because I love it, although some days I really don't. So the more that you know yourself, the more that you can make better decisions, work in a way that suits you. And, you know, in the past, I might have felt, well, I failed in my corporate job or I failed to make it to the board and all the things that we're supposed to do when actually I look back and think well I made smart decisions I made a smart decision to work for myself I work flexibly which helps not not only me and my family but also then my mental health and if I struggle in different ways well you know I can adapt and and work flexibly I get to choose who I work with and why I work with and that is hugely empowering and, and and liberating so it's been quite a journey I don't know where it will head. There's very much, you know, still feeling as though I've got a bit of a a label and that's me in my head as much as as other things. There are people that I've spoken to about ADHD and the expressions on their face are just, you know, as if I was talking about ladies' period problems or something totally embarrassing. But on the whole, I would say most people have been really compassionate, very supportive And what it's also done is allowed other people to reach out and say, actually, that sounds really familiar. Can you signpost me to some resources? And I've done an awful lot of that, too. So it's been it's been an interesting journey. And I think that start of looking at my personal development journey, knowing myself better, why I do what I do, all of those what you might call fluffy things that are not technically important as surveyors or or real estate professionals, but actually really are, meant that I got to a point of having better work-life balance, understanding the lifestyle things that, that make a difference. So getting fresh air and a bit of exercise is definitely good for me, as is sleep. You know, because when you get diagnosed with ADHD, there are three areas. You know, it's not just straight to medication. There's also the way that you work and the way that you live in your lifestyle. It's a holistic approach to how you may want to manage your systems or symptoms or enhance the way that you that you work and live. And so the more that you can do that, the better informed you are then to make choices about what happens or what you want to do going forward. It's quite a scary yeah. thing, I have to say, to to be diagnosed when you're you're a bit older. I was also diagnosed with dyslexia too. You know, and I, I spent a lot of my time reading solicitors' letters. You complimented me on my article when we first came on this call, and I just found different ways of working which I just assumed were normal. I couldn't really tell you what they were, but it's been a lifetime of getting to where I am here today. So, getting a diagnosis isn't you know, starting from scratch, it's recognising I've had ways of working, different coping strategies that um, worked in places I've enjoyed or not, that have all stood me in good stead to where I am today. You talk a little bit there about the support that's available now and, and being able to sign 
post people to resources and so on. What are the major things that people can take advantage of today, whether it's flexible working or I know in your comment piece, you mentioned the resources, for example, available via Lionheart. I mean, what sort of support infrastructure exists now and how does that compare possibly to when you started your career? So I think our whole approach to not just mental health, but well-being as a whole, certainly post-pandemic, is so much different to how it was 20, 30 years ago. There are lots to improve, don't get me wrong, but I think there's a lot that we can do as individuals to empower ourselves in the in the first place. And so the first place I would start is that, yes, there's information out there, but it's you not feeling helpless and knowing that there is information out there is just hugely empowering in the in the first place. Then it's a case of looking at, well, is there information that you can trust? And, you know, you know people are very critical of TikTok and these hacks and fixes, Instagram and, and all of those things. But it is a place to start for, for many people. But again, it's coming back to, is this information you can trust? It's looking at what's out there. There are lots of organisations you just search ADHD foundation, ADHD, whatever organisation. There's there's lots of them out there who offer really good information, resources for people. Sometimes it's aimed at adults. Sometimes it's aimed at children. There's a great free magazine that you can subscribe to called Attitude, A-double-D, Attitude. Again, one of the better ones that you can follow. But also within your organisation, if you're in a big company, they will have signposts. You know, a lot of them have employee well-being programs and benefits in some way, shape, or form. So start by asking there. Just asking your friends and colleagues. You will be surprised that there will be somebody who knows somebody who has neurodiverse challenges. Uh, you know, so there's lots of lots of things there. Podcasts are a huge resource. There's lots out there. Again, you just search for ADHD or neurodiversity in some way. But there are a couple of things that are really helpful. So if you're a an RICS member, then Lionheart, uh, which is a benevolent funded charity that supports RICS members and their families. They offer all sorts of resources, but they also can signpost you to uh, information that you can trust and to, and to follow through. There's another organisation uh, that I've come across set up by a surveyor, Vanessa Curtis, called Ability RE, I think it's called. And you know, there's information resources there. But also if you work whether you're employed or you work for yourself, the government has funding through something called Access to Work. And it's the least neurodiverse friendly application that you will ever go through. But it it can offer financial support and resources through equipment, through coaching, through even helping your employer understand more about what you need. Because the idea is it, it's access to work. It helps you get into work and to stay into work. And you know, companies and HR departments should know about these things and can explore and, and can help you. So there's a full range of things from stuff that's on the internet or podcasts through to documents, published papers, organisations, people who just speak out about some of these things, people who mention it in passing like, like I do sometimes. So there's a full range of things. And also, I suppose it's, you know, it's empowering Firstly, to know that, well, there's things out there I can not necessarily go and fix it, but I can I can find out more. But it's recognising that well, what I re- need right now is just to be a bit curious and to tune into some of this rather than go straight in with a whole hog of, you know, I need some medical brain investigation to understand what's going on with me. 
it's on a huge scale, you know, and it just knowing what's there and tapping into it as and when you're ready and tuning into it, you'll know when you're ready to then take the next step forward and whether a diagnosis helps you or not. Now, there are lots of people I know who, you know, have neurodiverse challenges, for want of a better description. I said about the, lang- the language, is it a challenge or not? But they don't get a diagnosis because they don't need it. But at some point you may may want to do that. So it's just good to know so that if you get to a point, you know what's available to you. And for anyone listening today who is neurodiverse and considering whether a career in property is for them, what would you say? Well, I'll say obviously, yes. <laughs> I would say anybody could go into, into property. But I think we have lots of out of the box thinking, problem solving skills, but also huge empathy. So whatever your your skill range is, you will have something to bring for sure. You don't know what that might be yet, which is why I say if you're passionate about something, then stick to that and see what grows from it. You don't know what opportunities will be out there. So I've had a, a hugely fulfilling career. It's not over yet. Who knows what will happen in the future? But I know that I wouldn't have got where I am now had I actually, and even though I didn't know it, tuned into my ADHD. So doing that complaints and claims work, you know, that was all very much about, you know, as I said before, about fighting for justice. Then I gave myself permission to be quite curious and creative with the podcast, with the community, doing different stuff. You know, again, that's a, an ADHD trait that I've leaned into but didn't know it at the time so it's trusting yourself and trusting your your gut instinct that this sounds good it's on the right path and hey nothing's forever if you can always change your mind and do something different but I think once you get into it you will enjoy it so much that I would hope you don't leave <laughs> thank you very much indeed for your time today it's been a really interesting discussion and I'm incredibly grateful to you for sharing your story thank you very much indeed you're very welcome. That was Marion Ellis from Love Surveying in conversation with me, Sarah Jackman. And for anyone wanting to hear more from Marion, you'll find her comment in EG's new Starting Out in Real Estate Supplement, publishing in early September. You'll also be able to hear from her on the Surveyor Hub podcast. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the archive of the Bricks and Mortar series at podbean.com and the EG Radius archive at egi.co.uk.